You people. have to be able to say that or, or be willing to acknowledge it. Like, football is rammed full of idiots. This is not a dream job. This is reality. I am an actor. The best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. And I think you are an ostrich. Well, your head must be in the sand. The Premier League is a fraud. Ferret head. Very much looks like a ferret, doesn't it? As far as that, that's the second time it's gone off. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Balls.ie football show, which is our football show here on Balls.ie in association with Labrooks. My name is Mikey Trainer, and I am back this week making a triumphant return to the podcast after a really enjoyable holiday away. Um, we won't be talking too much about that on the podcast. <laughs> I'm joined. Yeah, I have to say it was great to have you away. I think <laughs> yeah. I mean, Gavin, it's great. Time. I'm sure it was to allow We you enjoyed a, your holiday as well. A minute to speak. <laughs> um, those were the voices of Gavin Cooney and Gavin Casey, who you should know by now are joining me in the studio here. Um, well, lads, how was it while I was away? It was enjoyable. It was great. I, I, mean, I listened to the Darren O'Day interview and I really enjoyed it. So fair play yeah. to you. I it think was. it's fair to say you enjoyed your brief spell in France more so than he enjoyed his year in Ukraine. I think that is fair also. I, did, were you <laughs> held up at machine gun no, point? No, I mean, the, one of my ne- mates did have a knife pulled on him uh, by, some, gr- also by some French good, locals, like, which is less than ideal. Yeah, that's and, yeah. rarely good, you'd yeah, have to say. That I mean, that you great. can, you but, can you know, he got, he got separated from the crowd. You never get separated from the crowd on a, on a snowboarding holiday. What's, what's, the, what's famous the French what for, for, for bad hombres? I'm just Mon, trying to Mauvais frère? I'm not sure. Mauvais frère? Look, you can listen to Darren O'Day. Les undesirables. Les undesirables. <laughs> anyway, yeah, so I went snowboarding in France. It's great. Now, football is the thing that we're going to talk about. And also, make sure that you listen to uh, podcasts across all of our channels here at Balls and I. Absolutely. Um, this is the football show feed, as you know, Mikey and Gav. Uh, to distinguish between two feeds, if you were to search Balls.ie podcasts anywhere, Google, iTunes, that whole uh, shebang, you'll also come across... The Balls.ly NFL pod where Mick McCarthy, Donny Mahoney and snapreads.com's Kean Fahey, formerly of Bleacher Report, are reflecting on a magnificent Super Bowl and a remarkable comeback by the New England Patriots. Uh, also on that feed is our returning GA podcast, The Hard Shoulder, featuring Mark Farrelly and Connor Neville on the mic. And Mick. Mick is also on the mic on that one. Uh, and some very special guests as well from the world of GA. And the Irish Boxing Show presented by me, if you're uh, that way persuaded. If you like the punches. If you like being punched or watching other people punching, a new episode of that is coming on Tuesday with some fairly cool guests as well. But this one is on the Football Show feed, and we would appreciate greatly if you subscribed, downloaded. Um, Give us a wee rating. Oh, oh rating would be great. Like it's, it's a weird one because we're always like, oh, how do we, how do we kind of make it sound like we want people to do this without just sort of like reading it or, or just saying it like in a blase fashion but like we actually i think are, are borderline begging uh, <laughs> i would i would overtly <laughs> beg the thing is as well though i mean surely you want your podcast all in one sort of place all so like you know if you subscribe if you do listen to this regularly and, and you subscribe then it's just in your phone and you don't have to go looking for it and uh, i mean i floated the idea of an interpretive dance to get across <laughs> why we should but you know that was and like my my uh my Fanta Club or uh, Rock Shandy giveaway never really got off the ground because no. what I found was that an, an, an awful lot of people were requesting that we do send the signed bottles of Rock Shandy but weren't subscribing, nor were they leaving ratings or any of the uh, 
Come the, on, the criteria like, that we laid out. Work with so, uh, I mean, it, look, if you have any suggestions, this is going like really meta, like mm, borderline yeah. plug inception. But if you have any ideas as to how we could convince you to subscribe <laughs> to the podcast, <laughs> please get in touch be with sure us. Be sure to get in. But we've got a great show lined up to hear. We were lucky enough to be graced with the presence of Richie Sadler in studio. So no dodgy Skype connections and no Robbie Keane calling in between <laughs> to... You know, if you can interrupt. subscribe to the fucking podcast, we'll fix that. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, you know that's, that's that's how that's how we grow. Um, but no, Richie's idea was uh, sound enough to come in studio. Uh, we had a fantastic chat. So in really a couple of minutes, it, yeah. we are going to dive straight into that. We've also got uh, our Labrooks bed of the week is an absolute doozy this week. Uh, some seriously nice enhanced offers coming up for you as well. Of course, we'll have pundit watch, which we very rarely miss, even though we've got a pundit in that we were able to actually watch with our eyes. Yeah, we here. watched them. Uh, we've got a, it's it's kind of like a double pundit uh, thing because, you know, Richie Sadler was so good. We and, and we also have something else to talk about. Uh, Gavin Cooney has been uh, hoisted up on the shoulders of Arsenal fans and carried around I've the... I've never been so loved. Around Arsenal, the world of Twitter. Twitter. You you spoke you spoke for the, the Arsenal fan base this week and they, and they responded. Uh, everybody goes on about how active Arsenal fans are on Twitter. Turns out if they've, they like something you've done, you'll know about oh, it. Oh, it's a powerful force if you can you'll harness know about it. it. So we'll be talking about that as well. Uh, but f- yeah, first, I mean, there's, there's nowhere else we can really start. We, we had Sadler in for about 40, 45 minutes. And we had a fantastic chat about all things from Brian Kerr right up to Arsene Wenger. We touched on that famous story in Nigeria. Anyway, enough. Right down uh, to Nigeria. Yeah, all the way down. <laughs> quick trip, quick trip south. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll jump straight into it. Here's how that went. So we're delighted to be joined by former Republic of Ireland International and RT Pondit and podcast host now, Richie Sadlier. Uh, Richie, how are you keeping? That's how you doing, you well? Yeah, not bad. Uh, great to have you in. As Gavin said, they're a man of many talents. Um, we're going to get, we're, first of all, we're going to start off with, uh, with the reason that you're, that you're here with us today is because you're now an ambassador for Walkers. I am, yes. Uh, they've launched a new competition where they are going to send some lucky supporters to Champions League games, the quarterfinal and again in the final. And how you how you do that is you try and predict to the specific second when the opening goal of the Bayern Munich Arsenal game is going to come. So all the details are online. I tweeted about it earlier. And uh, when is that goal going to come, Richie? I would imagine it will come in the 25th minute and the 14th second. Is that based on statistical analysis I or is it a wild guess? Uh, no, I, I, I've... Looked at every figure, every data there is, and that's nailed on. It's going to come now. Wow. Well, uh, we'll get on that. We'll yeah, get on that. Uh, does this make you the... I've already forgotten what I've predicted, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, this is recording. Uh, but but does this make you the Gary Lineker now of, of Irish football in the sense that you're... Like, can you be the Irish face of Walkers, the brand? Will you have your own flavours? And what would you like them to be called? We this have a couple real, of suggestions. This is the real question. Oh, this is the, re- this is the real topic. <laughs> so if, if there was a, a, a Richie flavour... Yeah. yeah. What would it be? Yeah. Um, and for anybody watching or listening, feel free to hit us up with comments. We oh. be, it doesn't matter how late you're coming to this. We, we, only, stage, we, only, have, we only have two. Does Lineker have a flavour? Well, yes. well, it was kind of... Salt and Lineker, it, They it? were called Salt and Lineker for a while, I think, or oh, yeah. something and like that. And then they did Cheese and Owen for Michael Owen. Yeah. They really weren't very good flavours. Is there anything you could do with my name in that line? Well, we, the, the initials or S lend themselves to Ready Salted, but... We were like Richie Salted... Yeah, ready, sadlier. 
Oh, well, I can't top that. That's, <laughs> just, that's, that's marketing <laughs> genius right there. Somebody on Twitter or somebody listening will come up with something hilarious and we'll be sure to pass it on to you yeah, when they do. They'll go to the top brass in Walker's Crisp. Now. They'll, be, they'll <laughs> yeah, be delighted. And then one day we might be seeing them in shops. That'll be, yeah, that'll yeah, be yeah. a brilliant way to bring the podcast in, you know, tie it all together. Um, so as for questions, obviously we're, we've, we've done a, a number of stories about you before. You're, mm-hmm. you're, quite, you're a man who piques the interest of, uh, of Irish sports fans. Uh, one story does continue to pop up, and we're going to address it now. It's the one from an underage tournament uh, with Ireland way back when. Nineteen ninety nine in the good old days in I Nigeria. Richie. I think I know the one you're talking about. Yeah. You have an idea? I do. I mean, there was talk, uh, largely from yourself, of. I mean, it sounds like a terrible sequel to the Hunger Games, but of a, of a masturbation game of some description, yeah. whereby. I mean, maybe you might be able to explain it best, Richard. <laughs> well, I, I was hoping that you'd just give all the details, yeah. and no more quotes would exist from me about the the thing. I think it to, to set the scene. <laughs> with you know. We were, 24 lads far from home in Nigeria. The We weren't allowed to leave the hotel because of security risks. Ringing ho- there was no mobiles back then, so ringing home involved queuing up to a pay phone and you had to have literally like a wad of money to, to, to pay the fella to use the phone and it took you ages to make a connection. Um, couldn't watch TV because there was very little English-speaking ones on there. So it was mind-numbingly boring and I think the trip lasted. I think we were in Nigeria for maybe more than three weeks because we got there a week early to, to, to prepare and play a couple of friendlies and then you run out of things to do. Yeah. And then at one point, I think seven of us were in a bedroom one afternoon and the suggestion was made why, <laughs> <laughs> to, to, why, not, why not have a bit of fun and, and, and see who could complete the job quickest. And then myself and one of the lads were, were kind of conscientious objectors <laughs> and we, we we said our goodbyes and lads carried on and and, and competed and, and i i like i i to this day even to friends even on night outs they've all tried to say listen give us a name yeah. just i have never once repeated the name of anyone that took part in the competition you say Gary Doherty has publicly said it wasn't him. Yeah. He's washed his hands yeah. of it, as Mikey Dist- said. Yeah. Distance himself <laughs> from... Uh, well, I wouldn't dispute that. Gary's off the list. Okay. Okay. So you're down right. to, excluding me, you're down to kind of 22 now at this stage. <laughs> yeah. Narrow it down. Uh, no, we won't get that, in, uh, won't get that intense. But just that kind of, that Nigeria trip, obviously some great players went on to, to play for Ireland. Mm. Was there anyone at the time who you thought was, was certain to be a star in the game who perhaps didn't live up to well, I remember at the time, so this was 99, R- Robbie and Duff had already played for the senior team. And I think actually it, was, it, it caused a bit of conflict between Mick, who was the senior manager at the time, and Brian, who was the under-20 manager, that those two lads would be brought. But t- typical of Brian, he went into a tournament wanting to win it. Yeah. So he thought, bring everyone. And Mick, obviously, his, his concern was only with the senior team. So those two lads had already made a name for themselves and they went on to have great careers. But I remember in that tournament, I think Stephen McPhail was brilliant. Yeah. Mm. Um, just you've seen the way he plays, and like he he was kind of running games at times for us over there. So uh, he was the one I remember. I, I mean, I knew about Robbie and Duff before Obviously, I went. Yeah. I hadn't played. I don't think with McPhail up until that point. Um, I think Richie Dunn couldn't make the trip because of injury, but he was the one. I think like he was the one I remember coming back from that tournament, thinking 
like wow he's, he's, he's brilliant yeah he's, he's a name that pops up in our office like yeah. all the time because we have a couple of Leeds fans here and mm. he was, he was an they're getting loud as well the Leeds, <laughs> yeah. the Leeds fans I was on the Lewis red line the other morning and I saw on the condensation on the window was written mighty Leeds like <laughs> when was the last time in the last like 12 years you would you know, have seen it's that certainly been a while. The, we, sorry I just want to say you touched uh, you touched on Brian Kerr there wanting mm. to win that tournament we've had a lot of people on this show before that have played underage football for Ireland and all of them speak so positively of Brian Kerr yeah. is it for you and all of them as well it's a complete mystery why he's not involved with the current Irish setup is that something that you'd go along with as well um, I, I, I wouldn't describe it as a mystery I think it's a straightforward case of personality clashes and politics yeah. if the FAI wasn't in the hands of the people it is at the moment Brian would have a job in the morning and I don't I don't think anyone most people with an understanding of what goes on out there in Abbottstown um, would understand the issues but at the moment unfortunately it's <laughs> the players in the country at the moment are the ones missing out because if you have someone of the expertise and the passion and the knowledge and all of the things that Brian brings to the table in underage football in particular international football as well like you could, if you had him here now and I'm talking in vague terms about what went on socially in Nigeria but I bet if I mentioned any of the game Christ I can't even think of the opponents we played Mexico Saudi Arabia Australia and then Nigeria I bet if Brian was sitting here he could give you a tactical breakdown of what went well and what went wrong on the day. He could name an opponent. Like he that he that he can recall details like no one I've ever met. Yeah. Um and to think someone like that who's living in the country, who's available for work and enthusiastic to work, is not working. I think that's a that's that's an indictment of where things are at the moment. You don't see that changing then without a change of personnel no, in Abbotstown? Absolutely not. I, I, I just could not see it happening. I cannot see the people in the FAI ringing up Brian and say, do you know what, Brian? Everything you've got is exactly what we want. Let's bury the hatchet and come and see what we can do together. You yes. know, this this thing, a big picture, and you say, well, everyone wins here if Brian's yeah. in-house. In, in, in um, I can't see that happening. Wow. It's something that, I mean, you've sort of followed in his footsteps in some sense in the, in, in the way that he, when he became a, a television pundit, sort of more regularly, when I suppose when he was out of football uh, professionally, he sort of amazes people, I think, with his insight. And that, that's probably where this whole thing of, of why is he not involved comes He'll, from, because like, he's on TV3. You and see a lot, of, a, a lot of pundits who aren't entirely familiar with the, with the squad that they're talking about, whereas yeah. Kerr... Like I think it was last year in the Champions League, he was talking about Julian Baumgartlinger for, for Leverkusen before he moved to Gladbach. <laughs> and he's and you can even you can get a sense that the people around him are just like, how do you know this stuff? I know. I, I, again, I've been sitting next to him, and we'd have even in in the pre-show meetings before a program like Soccer Republic, when when someone's name is mentioned, he'll immediately say, "Ah, oh, I saw him." Four years ago, down in Monaghan, great left foot, but he's a tendency to come inside a bit much. But you can be done, and, and he'll go in yeah. for a little bit, and you kind of at the end have to say, "Okay, Brian, that's all interesting, but but shut up, we've a, <laughs> we've a program to do." But when he's on air and he trots out all that information, you're sitting there kind of in awe. First of all, like how does he remember all this? Yeah. Um, but he has just this 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 knowledge of players, which, again, to go back to the question, like. What a loss to yeah, Irish football. Like, he's living here. He's available. He could do the job. He's not contracted by anyone else which would prevent him from working with the FAI. So make the call. Yeah. Do you enjoy the, that side of the gig now? Punditry. Punditry. I mean, like, say when you broke into the scene, I, I was 
like doing notes it kind of reminded me a little bit of like a young upstart coming from like the youth ranks into the senior team in a sense because you're joining this this institution which is the panel and it was the yeah you know these three names that were sort of there uh unperturbed and, and unwavering for so long was there an element of pressure to that yes and no um like it was the thing that everyone kept asking me about because I think no different than anyone else. I remember, you know, watching Italy ninety and all the other tournaments. And at halftime, you're watching Eamon and John, and you're watching yeah. Bill. And then when I came into RTE, I kind of eased my way in. I think in in about two thousand and six or seven, I started doing League of Ireland shows, and then maybe two or three years later, I started doing Premier Soccer Saturday or something, which was a step up even then. So then I started for the first time sitting in the studio alongside either John or Eamon or Kenny or Ronnie or other people like that. I'd worked with Ronnie actually previously on Satanta Sports, but when you're on, say, an international match or a Champions League match, it's a three-man panel. And when I first started doing it, it means you were at least going to be on with two of the other established three, yeah. plus Bill Hurley at the time. So you could very easily go in and think, right, well, I'm an outsider here. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I, I don't belong. Um, this is their path. This is their territory. The way they do it is the way it should be done. Um, so it was a it was a tricky one to manage because in in most jobs that there goes the Diego Maradona tambourine of destiny. There we'll leave him. In 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 most (laughs) jobs, like that's quite common enough. You can go into a job or into a workplace, and there's there's people who've been doing the job a long time, and there's a set way of doing things, and they've relationships with each other. So that's there's there's nothing new in that at all. And and but in a lot of jobs, you. You kind of play the game, you buy it, it's yes sir, no sir, all that kind of stuff. But the nature of a pundit's job, you, you can't be yes sir, no sir mm-hmm. with your experienced colleagues if your job is to sit alongside them on a pundit table giving an opinion, particularly if you don't agree with the opinion yeah. that they've said. Mm. And so that was a tricky one to manage. But after a while, I think I realized, because I had to get out, I had a lot of my own stuff going, you know, I don't belong here. Like, I played 15 minutes of a shit friendly. Like, why am I sitting next to Liam Brady and all that kind of stuff? So I, I had to get past that. And that didn't involve anyone else on Twitter, anyone else in RT. That was my own little battle. And I came past that. And then after a while, I realized, you know what? If I have an opinion, just say it. If yeah. I disagree, just disagree. And RT are great. They, they, they've, never, they've never held us back in any way. I've never been in a meeting where I've been given any instruction by a producer. Lads, we, we don't want to go there. You know, that's too politically awkward or, or you know, we want to there's a there's a company line here we want yeah. you to fight. It's mm. just lads, we want to hear your opinions. Yeah. Which may, which, which is great. Yeah. Like there's, there's, so there's you you're not sitting here trying to be clever in any way. It's just if something comes up and a question's asked, you just answer it. Do you find that, I mean, it's interesting sort of being caught in two minds, like as, as a new person in that situation. Do you find that when you decided like to just be yourself, pardon the awful cliche, mm. that they were more accepting of that? Because I suppose it, it could have gone the other way as well, where they would might have looked at you as this, this new kid on the block and like, ah, you know, uh, earn your stripes first or whatever. I suppose you've sort of said you kind of already had done that. You'd been on RT. But do you find that they were more welcoming when you were almost well you were as outspoken as they were to be honest they they, they were very welcoming when i went in first and, and i've said this before john giles rang me actually a couple of days before i first did my first premier soccer saturday program and, and he was brilliant he, he, we met in a place in, in terenure i think and we sat for three hours and he, he, he was just full of stories and advice 
and encouragement and I mean he was questioning me a little bit I'm yeah. sure he was sussing me out but he was like he didn't have to do that yeah. do you know what I mean he didn't yeah. have to do it at all he, he did no reason at all to, to, to be as welcoming or as generous with his time as he was and and likewise Eamon and, Liam, and particularly Bill like Bill was brilliant like he, he would often kind of pull you aside before a show one or two words or even small things on air or off air or just as we'd go to an ad break and if I'd said something he might have sensed, you know, did I doubt what I just said or, you know, did it cause a bit of conflict? And he just wink at you. <laughs> just a little, just, he, he just, he just winked. So not, no big show of anything. The other two probably wouldn't realize it's been done. And he just settled into the seat a bit more. And then there'd be a couple, of, there'd be a little walk to kind of the makeup room afterwards where you remove your makeup and there'd be a few little bits of words from him. So when you kind of all that and then and off camera to the producers and, and like Royal Nugent, the, the boss, they were always really encouraging all the time like really? i never i never got any other sense there that i was just kind of welcomed initially would you join them for a couple of jars afterwards i haven't done that in a long long time it, it, it kind of you're spending the whole day together aren't you like the, the, when you come in like how much time are you spending uh, say around a champions league game so yeah, we champions league say next week so yeah. it's Bayern and arsenal i am i'm not sure actually who the other panelists are but i'm on and i think the program starts at seven so be, there's usually a production meeting which starts an hour and a half before we go on air. Um, and the Champions League programme, so the game will finish at half nine. You probably have the highlights from the previous night's match. So you could be on air from maybe seven o'clock to half ten or eleven. So you're sitting next to each other in those seats for the whole time. Obviously, even though the camera isn't on us and you've been together for the hour and a half beforehand. So you're up to five or six hours yeah. at this point. Um so when we go off air, I'm just ready for bed. And Obviously, maybe you're not having points with each other, but we've seen, I'm going to use an, a current example mm. here, Chris Sutton on, uh, on B2 Sport, who we absolutely love. Because yeah. He's just amazing for content. <laughs> to be totally honest, because he, he winds his other you know, anal- analysts that are on the panel with him, he winds them up, and you can see that there's you know, personal beef there. Have you ever been in a situation, and you don't have to name names, but have you ever been in a situation where you've been like, what's this guy going on about? Or like, what's this guy Or with the shoe on the other foot where you've just tried to wind someone yeah. up because they've been getting on your nerves. A bit of devilment. I think myself and Kenny have probably wound each other up. <laughs> but it's, it's been two-way and sure. relatively good nature. Yeah. Like there, was no, there was no spite in it at all. Have I ever thought, what's this fella going on <laughs> about? It, it might have crossed my mind at some point, but... Like actually, wh- when I when I first started doing it, particularly with the, the the senior lads, I would I was trying to try and get a sense of what, you know what was the what were their opinions on things, or or what was the the, the common view on certain topics out there, and I, that would be my research. Mm. And I've completely changed it now. I I kind of don't look at what other. I actually don't even pay that much attention to what I think others will say, or even when they say it. I just kind of go in with the attitude that if I've if I've an opinion on the thing that's being talked about, I'll give it. Yeah, which is a very straightforward way, and it's probably yeah. not the kind of approach that will get a lot of content. Like mm-hmm. you, you can very easily adopt approach in punditry, which will get you a hell of a lot of clicks. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. the easiest gig in the world. Just there's a half of swear word. Just throw yeah. a pen. It's going to do do anything. <laughs> yeah, and 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 you'll be talked about, but. What's the point? Yeah. Do, do you think that the fact that you were writing before you got, were around the same time as you got into uh, RT and, and Pornetry and that, that it helped you like to form those opinions? I mean, you, you had a, a famous run-in with Steve Staunton based on 
criticism of the Ireland team that you had written about in a column. So it's not as if you were ever shy of giving your opinion, I suppose. No, and I suppose it's it, it's I'm, I'm not that afraid of criticism mm. or or confrontation, um, at all. Like at when I first began, you go back to again two thousand and five or two thousand and six. But that was ten years after I was eighteen, playing in Millwall, and every member of the crowd hammering me. And do you know what I mean? That that was the, that's what I came through. Yeah. And then on the days where I think, oh, this is intimidating, I'm sitting with two lads who are going to be sitting in suits in a television studio, which is well lit and well heated. Like, am I really going to call that intimidating? Yeah. Based on the stuff that went on when I was eighteen. So. Um, and and the stuff on, online and stuff I know because sure, it's because of the nature of the job everyone has an opinion on the thing you're talking about so they'll probably have an opinion on your opinion none of that bothers me yeah. so um, as to whether the writing helped with it all the writing thing was something I fell into as well I didn't have any aspirations when I finished playing football to write a column uh, Dion Fanning just rang me one weekend and said listen they're thinking of getting a football columnist would you be interested I wrote a I wrote a column one that day as if I was going to be printed that week he gave it to the editor and he said let's do it for yeah. three weeks and I think after two weeks he said let's do it for six weeks and then he said let's do it till the summer and it just ran then annually for n- nearly nine and a half years I think by the time he ended I, I kind of left it there last year not being intimidated by the lads on the panel with you is one thing but not being intimidated by a flying Steve Staunton in copper face jacks Middle of the night. I mean, it's an unfortunate coincidence that as Richie sat, sits here, there's a picture of a very angry <laughs> Steve Staunton behind him. But I mean, what what this was based on your criticism of his Irish team at the time or his management of the team? I, I remember that was one of the... Because one of the tricky things when you go from playing to the media side of things is invariably you're going to know personally some of the people you're talking about and someone you're going to mix socially with. Living in Dublin when everyone else lives in the UK kind of... Limits the chances of meeting them anyway. So, but w- w- during Stan's reign, I remember it was the San Marino game away. Do you remember? Was it Stephen Ireland scored a 90 yeah. third yeah. minute winner or something like that? Kevin Kilbane yeah. was talking about it off the ball last night, saying just how much he and the players felt like they'd let Stan down. But yeah, sorry. Go on. Right. Okay. And I remember Stan's interviews afterwards. He 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 did what he often did. He, he kind of. He said, you know, three points, can't get any more than that, onwards and upwards. Yeah, that we, was the gist of it. We beat them home and away. We beat them home and away, yeah. and, you know, six points is as much you can get against anyone. That was the gist of it. And I thought, right, well, it either... I was writing a column on it, and that was the first time I thought, right, well, I'm going to have to completely break ranks here from being a former player. Yeah. Like, being a, a fan or a journalist or pundit observer, whatever you want to call it, that's bullshit, what's, what's being spoken about there. So I started then, I mean, you couldn't really be that supportive of the things he was saying and doing, given how yeah. the rain went. So I was quite, no more than anyone else, who was kind of calling it as I saw it. Yeah. And then we eventually met up, and um, we were playing in a testimonial in Daily Mount Park together. We were on the same team, didn't say a word to each other. And then there was, I think a few of the lads went out together, um, I went off with my family for the day and then our paths met then that night in Coppers and he confronted me then. He just got, I think his opening phrase was, you know, you, you're on the other side of the fence now, which is a, a common thing with football is you think, right, you're, you, you know, you've, you, you've gone to the dark side. Yeah. That you, you've betrayed this kind of dressing room thing <laughs> of, you know, we all stick together. Like it's yeah. this fellowship. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a fellowship when it suits certain people at certain times, but like, but it's not. Um, 
And I kind of stood up. I was sitting on a bar stool at the time, and I think my cousin was there, and I think Gary McAllister came over and, and kind of split it up. I remember Neil Lennon was there, loosely involved, but it, it didn't really escalate that much, but it was... But what was he saying to you? I think the gist of it was he was just unhappy that I was criticising for his performance in the job. And, I mean, the easy response there is going, well, if you're going to be happy with people who criticise your performance in that job, you're unhappy with the entire country. Yeah. You're, 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 you're on your own in, the, in that debate. I don't think anyone else will, will, will stick up at you and say no, the things that no were said sure, about... There's no sure there's not, like There was a really, really nasty response. Like I, I was young at the time, but I just remember the embarrassment of... of, of there was, there was a part, I think, of a lot of Irish fans that night where when it was one all or when San Marino were leading as well yeah. at, for the majority of the game there like there was a part of a lot of us that didn't want Ireland to score yeah. because we wanted to be put out of our misery like at that point it was like well if if we lose here like he he is gone and it was such an unfortunate thing for yeah. an Irish football legend to be sort of subjected to that but at the same time a lot of that was his own doing. We still hadn't really come down from 2002. <laughs> it's was, probably true. It. We yeah. were still, we were still, <laughs> we're at uh, knockout stages of the, of the World Cup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then here we are losing to San Marino. And it's kind of like, that was the moment where expectations kind of, I think, were yeah. reined in. For, about, for, for a better decade. <laughs> it, it does often get to that point where you kind of think for whatever reason you could be wrong or right in your view that you think right the future here with this current manager is going to be bleak so that will only be changed by a change of manager and often as you said it, it, it takes a honker of a result for that to be achieved so I remember speaking to supporters as well in the, in the Trapatoni era after the way the Euros went and the way the following campaign was going they were kind of saying you know this is really in a difficult position we're going to Irish games with the hope the Trapatoni leaves yeah. so that we can improve. But in order for that to happen, we need to lose. So am I going to a game hoping we're going to lose? That doesn't sit well with me at all. Yeah. All that kind of yeah. weird thing. But um, yeah, it was it was, it was was kind of straightforward in, in terms of covering it. There's, there's other managers where there's a, you know, there's a for and against. Mm. Yeah. You can argue the toss over Trapatoni or O'Neill or others, but things got so bad under him. It was just a, a question of, well, how do you articulate how bad it is yeah. rather than trying to spin a positive? For sure. Where where do you come down on the on the fence or which side of the fence do you come down on with regards to Trapatoni? Obviously, recently retired. How, how do you view his, his reign? Well, his whole career and him as a person, I guide you'd have to go a long way before thinking of someone you'd have more respect for. Yeah. And I spoke, to, the way, even the way the players talk about it, it's Mr. Trapatoni, a huge amount of respect for him. I suppose the issue I had with him when he was in charge of the Irish team is you kind of got the sense that his expectations were as low as as possible and the instructions he gave to the players reflected that it was sometimes painful to watch yeah mm. like you remember some of the games oh god yeah and I also remember one of the highlights uh, the, the first half in Paris the playoff the thing that everybody said about it was that the players went out there and right right let's play how we want to play and let's show them what we can do mm when we throw the instructions from Trapatoni's given us in the bin. Yeah, because so, yeah, it, 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 it was a very restricted way of playing. And I remember hearing so many comments from opposing managers post-match saying the same thing. We knew what we would expect from this Irish team. Mm. Like, because Trapatoni made a virtue of the fact that we have this system. It's the system. The system is going su- to be the reason we succeed, which is fine. But what you're telling everyone else is, this is how we're going to play and you just look at our team selection, there's the same players all the time. Yeah. So you, you know that there's going to be no surprises. Yeah. And even if it doesn't go well for the Irish team, there's no 
plan B, they're not going to go, okay, right, let's you know, let's push a third man up front or maybe put an advanced midfielder. Let's bomb the fullbacks. Yeah. No, no, no. We have a system. And the players aren't good enough to do anything else, stick to the system, or we're completely bunched. And I just thought after a while, this is getting tiresome. It's just... But we got to the Euros, so everyone's gone, well, you know, it's, yeah, mission it's a success. Yeah. Like, yeah. what more can you do but get to the Euros? And I thought, well, you could win a game there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. score more than one goal, you not, could do lose, something not lose three. And, and, and <laughs> break or, or, or equal the record yeah. worst performance of any team at a Euros final. It was that, like, that was a grim tournament really, to cover. Really grim. And yeah. I went in with so much optimism as well. Mm. I convinced myself we were going to... That's your Croatia. D- we're as good as Spain them. will be tired, I remember. Yeah, that was yeah. one. <laughs> and then sure, Italy. We well, always the bit, do well Yeah, yeah. We always do well against Italy. I mean, the big th- the big thing was like, uh, oh, we're hard to beat, though. Yeah, and I remember like thing, having this argument. Be, we won't be losing games by four 0 because we had a big long <laughs> run of not conceding a goal. I think leading yeah. up to the tournament, yeah, offensively, yeah. like, like even even on, like during his his reign in charge, like for this, I think that the eighteen months before the Euros, I mean, the arg- the argument was that we were difficult to beat, but I think he, we had lost something like six or seven games, including friendlies. Like we weren't that hard to beat at all. We just we got a couple of important draws here and there. I mean. Speaking of aesthetically displeasing football, and we might move them off of, of yeah. Irish stuff briefly, like the Premier League at the moment, Richie, I'm intrigued to get your take on that because, as we were saying to you before we came on air, certainly watching it in here at the weekend and, and just at home and being a football fan more so than, than a journalist or a writer or whatever, it just seems to be like sort of boring or uh, the whole thing is like now about managerial spats and controversies and there's this like crisis culture that is it's crisis of the week are City in crisis this week is it Liverpool you know nobody's talking about Chelsea they're actually playing good football Leicester naturally in crisis Premier League champions what what do you make of it all how do you how do you view that at the moment I, I, I think you're right I think that's the way the coverage is gone because I think it's far more interesting to watch somebody debate whether or not Schumann should be sacked or what changes need to to be made than than sit back and say let's spend a half hour talking about how Chelsea are so good why are they so good and uh, and let's marvel at this whatever you describe them as um, but it is every, like Klopp is under pressure now at the moment isn't he Ranieri yeah, is, it's crazy is the one. crazy to think the two managers at the start of the season you'd have thought were invincible mm. like I remember people were saying Ranieri's won the league with Leicester now he can they can get relegated and he won't be in trouble mm. well Actually, <laughs> we're, we're, we're just over halfway through the season and there's people calling for his neck. And it's the same with Klopp, but who was a messiah. And now, you know, like you, you'll get people like Raymond Verheyen uh, jumping in and saying, like, I've been saying this all along. You can't yeah. play his type of pressing all season and not expect a dip at this time. Yeah, even though he won doubles with Bruce Dortmund playing exactly that yeah. system. Mm. So, so it's, just, it's just crazy. Like, what, I, th- I think a lot of the focus now will be on the relegation battle yeah. because... It's it's the most interesting. It, it, it's interesting. Bad, it's it's unpredictable. We're not really sure how it's going to go, and it involves a lot of teams. Yeah. If you're going to focus on the title race, you're going to struggle to make a really interesting program or an interesting conversation. Mm-hmm. How are you going to whip up a bit of debate or any kind of controversy or any kind of interaction with people watching if you're going to talk about whether or not Chelsea are going to win the league? Yeah. But Did if you rattle off a conversation about the five or six teams yeah. at the bottom, there you go. You've a, you've a great program. Yeah, particularly when. Those teams now are kind of in form. We've seen like the difference Marco Silva has made at Hull, uh, Paul Clement at Swansea. They're yeah. going reasonably well. I've never Bur- wanted a manager to succeed as much oh God, as yeah. the Hull manager <laughs> since hearing how Sky Sports panel dis- discussed his appointment. Why can't it be an English manager, Richie? <laughs> why, why? Why always these foreigners? Like, uh, what, what, what's he going to know about the Premier League? That was that was the one that, that really was that was like, one that what, got me. What's what, he know about? There's an assumption of ignorance based on the country of his birth. Yeah, brilliant. 
I, 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 don't, I don't think when he say when he arrived in Greece to manage Olympiakos, they won the league at a canter with and some seven, done, eight games steeped, remaining. He'd been steeped in Greek culture. I, I, I don't, yeah, I don't think he knew much of it. The, the, the Greek Super League when he arrived from Sporting Lisbon. I mean, it was a fascinating story what happened to him at Sporting Lisbon as well, yeah. uh, which makes me want him to succeed again more. Like, I mean, mm. the idea that he was sacked for well they released something like a 400 page dossier on the reasons why they sacked him but the crux of it was that six months ago he hadn't worn a suit in a game and had broken the club's uh, sartorial code of some description so definitely no future for Tony Pulis at, uh, at Sporting League he probably won't fit in there yeah. but I mean yeah the relegation battle is going to be the most interesting one when you look at I suppose the decline in, in viewership figures Jamie Carragher referenced it on Sky during yeah, a broadcast the other day which was interesting probably got him a slap on the wrist yeah, but he mentioned yeah, yeah. He, after the first half of Leicester Man United he goes uh, I mean with, with, probably with <laughs> the first 40 minutes of this of this half before the two goals this is this is probably why people aren't, are basically not watching these yeah. kind of games at the that's moment why the viewers are, that's why the figures are down yeah that's yeah off. like is I'm, it, I'm sure I'm sure that <laughs> went down well <laughs> yeah, there was a sm- there was a smirk on his face when he said right. it but like, like is that so is that the crux of it then in terms of like why we're just talking about managerial spats and these controversies all the time because that's what people want to watch ultimately but I suppose it, it keeps the thing spoken about. If you're only going to talk about football while you're watching it, well, then you're going to be silent for most of the week. But if yeah. you can drum up a bit of interest in managerial rivalries, and some of them are great, like any Marina will constantly throw a bomb out there, just lob a grenade in some direction. So it gives us all... Because, like, and, and, and you do it, and, and, and it happens everywhere else, right? There's, there's podcasts to do. There's yeah. opinion column pieces to be written. And see... It's in everyone's interests who's in the field to to talk about things other than football because there's a limited amount of interest out there for talking about what happens in the field, the the tactical side of it or the positional stuff or the pros and cons of some formations over the other. But So you're talking about other things, um, which which often is far more interesting to a lot of people, but it feeds into the thing you mentioned earlier. We tend to go for the thing that's most controversial. This is something we had Stephen Hunt on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. It was right after the uh, madness around the refs, Premier League refs. I think it was a, a couple of decisions went against United. Mike, D- Mike Christmas, Dean, Mike Dean went for United, United, yeah. And Hunt had his brilliant column about Mike Dean being the most arrogant man he had on the pitch. But what he said is that he doesn't want help for referees. He doesn't want any of this video technology or you know the guy that you can go and watch replays because that's it's part of the game. Talking about refereeing mistakes are part of the game. Do you think it's similar in that? case I, I i wouldn't preserve anything f- simply for the reason that because we like talking about it but i i'd i, I agree with the notion that it, it's there's something wrong with the referee being the least informed person like millions of a tv audience can see within a matter of seconds whether someone's offside or not a lot of people in this in the fa- in 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 the ground will have their phones on and they'll know yeah. too but the only ones that can make a decision are the ones who exclude it from all of that. So there's something wrong with that. But where you go with that, I'm not sure. Because how do you give the referees or the officials access to whatever technology you're going to put in place that doesn't completely disrupt the game? Yeah. And like completely disrupt it. Because if there's an offside call, so the, the refs just play on. So there is no whistle blown. And, and the play goes. Like yeah. People are saying, you know, give the manager... Maybe a couple a challenge of challenges. Yeah. So do you stop it because you think, well, hang on, I think a couple of seconds ago you should have blown the whistle, yeah. so I want you to blow it now. 
Do you wait till the ball's out of play? Yeah. I mean, we're, we and might you know straight away managers are going to abuse it. Managers yeah. are going to get tactical with it and abuse it and 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 disrupt the game as as because that's their job. Yeah. Yeah. If they see an advantage in doing it that way, that's what they'll do. Um, I I don't know where you got. I mean, the obvious one: ball goes over the line or not. That's easily done. No disruption to the match. But yeah. the other stuff: was it a free kick or not? Yeah. Was it intentional? Did he mean to do that with his elbow? Let's go to the camera. They're not automatically going to come up with a definitive answer. Yeah, yeah. There's so some decisions which are still open for interpretation. There was a, a clip that did the rounds from uh, Holland. They're trialling that uh, video assistant with, uh, with the cup in, in Holland. Mm. And there was like a penalty, a contentious penalty decision. It was actually, I think the ref awarded one and it was ridiculous. Some lad got kicked in the head from the defending team. But what he did was he went, all right, lads, calm down. And it worked because your man was re- receiving treatment. But had he not been receiving treatment, the referee jogs from the penalty box to the halfway line and then he takes a minute out and he's just under the hood looking he's standing there looking at a video for about a minute getting all the angles and then he goes back in it's kind of like the way they do it in rugby now but it's so much easier with rugby because you've got an actual guy upstairs as well by the way the the argument that really kind of winds me up is when people say there's so much money in the game now the players or the fans deserve more I think when people start saying there's a financial reason for doing it I just almost go the opposite (laughs) well hang on shut up you're you're not saying the fans of today are more entitled to every decision being correct than the fans in the 60s, are you? Or the 70s or the 80s? Or the players of today are are going to suffer even greater heartache than the players in the 70s or 80s. So forget the money side of it. Oh, by all means, let's get to some place where the referees, you'll never get 100%, but can, can, can make as many decisions and get them as right as much as possible. But there's a cost to bringing in technology there's, yeah. there's a real cost and that trade-off I, I i haven't found a suggestion yet which in my view would be workable yeah like it's not it's when you look at say nfl and uh you somebody runs in a touchdown from 98 yards and there's a flag on the play and you know the flag is on the play yeah. while he's running the last 40 and he scores this spectacular touchdown but you're like oh is it coming back i don't know yeah. you don't want that with goals you don't want no, that right. with some 30 yard volley that 10 seconds previous somebody had like clipped Marcus a guy in the Rowe, ankles Marcus <laughs> got a, a hold of someone's shirt in the box and he pulls them up and says well hang on yeah doing that. it was um moving on from from video technology to another form of of technology and, and football a big week for second captains Richie and a, a big announcement for yourself as well I mean you can't get into too many specifics but we do know you are going to be hosting a podcast yeah the lads um are launching their the second captains world service on Monday um I will be presenting a show okay but the details of that I think they're going to announce on secondcaptains.com on Monday I, I kind of guest presented a couple of them recently yeah um Owen was away in honeymoon and I enjoyed it so, uh, more details on Monday. There more you go. Cryptic. Again, it's something I'd, in a million years, like, I don't think there's anything I do at the moment, which in the past I would have predicted I would have been doing. Like, sitting here breezily, chatting away quite comfortably on a podcast. I thought, jeez, I'll never do that. Yeah. Or let alone the punditry stuff or writing a column or this new Second Captain's Venture. So, um I'm loving it. Ah, oh, listen, Amazing. it's most most people's dream to come yeah. in here and sit breezily and, and talk on, on this <laughs> <Yeah>. podcast. <laughs> yeah. uh, the the set is actually falling <laughs> down around, Richie. It's, it's actually uh, becoming a hazard. It, um, it genuinely is. But just to bring it back uh, to just the, the the crisis mode in the current Premier League. 
discussion and all this discussion about managers and who's losing it. Uh, there is one narrative that is particularly interesting, and I like what you've done with the balls there. You've kind of gone for the two tone. It's a good, uh, yeah, it's a good way to approach decent it. look. But um, actually, the balls sign. Yeah, just yeah. in case. Oh yeah, sorry, you're, you're people yeah. listening to this as well. I like what you've done with your balls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we had enough of that in the first half of the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, to bring it back, Ar- Arsene Wenger. Th- this is a this is a managerial story. Uh, uh, should they? Shouldn't they? Mm. Issue that is actually very interesting. What's your personal view on it, Arsene Wenger? Stay or go? I I think this is this is fascinating. Yeah, um, because. In the one hand, if you look at what Arsenal have achieved on the pitch, where they're finished in the league, successive Champions League appearances, the majority of clubs would sit there and go, well, that's success. Mm. And I think the majority of Arsenal fans before this period started w- would have you know, thought like we're competing and this is great. But because it's happening every year, there's a there's an expectation that it's always going to happen. And because they haven't made the leap to actually lift in the trophy, I think, well, what he's bringing to the table here isn't good enough. That there's an assumption that removing him and replacing him will be the reason that they'll jump. And I'm not convinced that that's the case. I can understand all the arguments that he's got to go. Because if you look at the Chelsea game at the weekend, I was saying this to, to someone the other day, you could cut and paste any match report you've done in Arsenal in a big game over the last few years and apply it to what you saw at the weekend. Same kind of performance, same kind of failings, the same post-match discussion. And if you're an Arsenal fan, it's Groundhog Day. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. Are we gonna? Are we gonna? No, we're not. And, and that's what it's. What's always going to be like. Most clubs, most of the big clubs, if Wenger was available, I'd assume would want him. But where do Arsenal go for the replacement? Because I think just much like Man United, Arsenal will become a club where every year or two they'll change the manager. Mm. I don't think their replacement is going to last as long as Wenger did. I don't think that happens anymore. But it, it's tricky because I, I think when I look at Arsenal, what goes against them in a, in a bizarre way is when they release the financial figures and everyone's aware of the cash reserves they have. And then you, you compare that then to their transfer activity or inactivity. And you think, well, what are the priorities here of the board, of the owner? N- not Wenger and the players. Like so, so we're this very wealthy club but we didn't sign certain players. Is that because we just didn't think we needed the players or we're not prepared to pay the cash? Or as a club, are we more concerned with keeping cash than buying players? Are, are we just happy with this? Mm. Is third or fourth position and our last 16 in Champions League, is that what we're happy with? Is that success? And I think if you were to suspect that of the board and you were a fan, it's very easy to understand why you would get angry fairly quickly. In terms of like you mentioned there, like being happy with with third or fourth and and whatever they might finish, I think I'm not an Arsenal fan, but like I would reckon at this point the Groundhog Day thing has become so unbearable that they'd be willing to take a seventh or eighth place mm. for a shot at somewhere higher and something a little bit more glorious than than the sort of banal last couple of years, which have been just repetitive. But I, I, I've some. Sympathy maybe with Wenger. Uh, their their transfer policy over the last few years and their wage policy sometimes was the reason they didn't get certain signings. And Wenger came out and explained the reasons why. If, let's say, the board are adamant that that's not going to change, well, then replacing a manager and applying the same restraints on him, you could all of a sudden find yourself in big problems because you could have a manager coming in who, who can't operate at this level the way Wenger has and get the success, relative success that he's had because 
if you're not willing to outspend all your rivals, let's assume you're going to miss out on big signings to all your rivals. So straight away, you're not helping the manager. So this is what's most pu- puzzling about it to me is there's such a, a vocal Wenger out brigade, and I haven't heard one name be suggested yeah. in. Like, if you were to ask an Arsenal fan who would they want, they'd probably say something like, well, Simeone, maybe in the summer, might be leaving Atletico. But is the Arsenal job that attractive for the reasons that you've just said? I, I'm not that's, so sure. That's like a sideways move for Simeone, in many, like in terms yeah. of the board you're, you're acting under and the financial restraints. Like you, it's You've got to think he'd be looking at it and going, well, hang on, all the lads are in the Premier League. I need to get in on that. And where am I going to go? Arsenal, brilliant. Like, But I, I highly doubt Diego Simeone's actually thinking that. I feel because cause they have missed out in every summer they're, they're linked with certain people yeah. who don't arrive and you're never quite sure what the reason for that is and I would bet that in many cases irrespective of the financial stuff it, I mean if Arsenal wants you you can be pretty sure a lot of other big clubs want you as well that I'd imagine a lot of clubs might suspect the things we've been talking about so well they didn't win the league last year I'm going to Google what Fenger said oh he was really positive did the last 16 for the last how many years Oh yeah, he, he never actually criticised the players. Am I walking into a culture of a club that that's what they're happy yeah. with, that that's success? And I'd imagine there's a lot of players who wouldn't be drawn to signing for Arsenal. Likewise, if you're if you're the board or whoever they go about approaching potential managers, what are you selling them? Like, what vision are you selling them? W- w- fair enough, here's your weekly wage, here's your bonuses if we win trophies, but what's your transfer spend? Because that's what matters now. What's the recruitment policy? Is it solely your job? Do we have a committee? How much wages are you willing to offer the existing players when they come around to renew their contract? Because China's there and everyone has got more money. They all have their head turned. So how are you going to respond to all of this? And if the owners of Arsenal can't really sell a vision to a big, big manager, big, big managers don't, con- yeah. don't come. Yeah. So it's I think it's really interesting yeah, oh, issue because... In one way, you just turn around to Arsenal fans and go, what are you complaining mm. about? Another way, you go, I absolutely understand why you're pulling your hair out. Yeah. yeah. And one of, the, one of the big debates that this has caused as well is there's a rift between Gary Neville and Arsenal Fan TV. This touches back to something you were saying earlier about footballers and former footballers having that you know, mentality that you can't... Like you can't there's, it's like an, an alliance almost mm. between f- former pros and in the media. And I remember Gary Neville went on uh, Sunday Supplement with like Oliver Kay and with mm. a couple of the biggest journalists to basically go like, "You're treating Eng- <laughs> English football players so bad." And they were like, "Well, here's why we're doing it." It was a whole standoff. Mm. But Gary Neville's latest, his latest beef is with Arsenal Fan TV. Now, this phenomenon of Fan TV is that something that you're aware of? And I'd be interested to see how you view it. I, I, I've never, I've never tuned into it. I keep hearing about Arsenal yeah. TV, and I know second captains recently spoke a lot about it. Um, didn't he call a fan an, an, an idiot, idiot. This the other the, day? This is, the, this is the main reason it all kicked off. He, there was a guy in the stadium with, the, with a sign saying Wenger out. And he said, that guy's an idiot. He's going to go on Arsenal fan TV now. Or I think he said something like the Arsenal fan TV thing. And he was seen to be kind of belittling it. And the criticism that he's gotten is that he isn't respecting the opinions of fans, which I don't believe is fully true, but he did kind of attack the whole system of fans going inside the stadium and saying, I want him out. Because while it is ridiculous, and like, let's not, let's not get it mixed up here. People are tuning in after, their biggest figures are mm. when Arsenal lose. Yeah. People want to see them melt down. Uh, and, but, and people are like, look at these idiots 
Some some of them are idiots as well. We need to point out. You know, you have to be you have to be able to say that or or be willing to acknowledge it. Like football is rammed full of idiots. Yeah, Yeah. I've played alongside loads. I know of people who manage teams. <laughs> yeah. I work alongside loads. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I was going to say? It makes a great headline. Richie Sander, football is full of idiots. Well, well, well it is. Like it, like no, I totally agree. Jesus Christ. I, I totally mean, if, if you're going to sit back and, you know, all praise everything footballers do just yeah. because, you know, whatever sacrifices they made to get there or how hard they work, well, that's bullshit. Yeah. If you're going to praise everything a supporter does just because he's paid to get in and he loves the club, like get off the stage like that yeah. that's that's nonsense and likewise people who own the club or pundits or, or everyone else i think what this is all about like i saw did henry winter write a piece yeah he yeah arrogant neville has no right to slag fans so you have a journalist getting the high horse over a, and criticizing a pundit who, who, who kind of took the high ground who's criticising a supporter who was criticising a manager. So everyone's just having a go at each other, all trying to claim the high ground, thinking mm. I'm the one in the position that can say this and you're wrong to slag the other person because you've no right. And that's just a circular thing that goes yeah. on and on and on. Uh, Richie, it's been a pleasure. We'll, we, we better leave you go. Um, one final question, if you don't mind, that we throw to everybody who's on the podcast, uh, even people who haven't necessarily played football professionally. Yeah. Tubes, yeah. we, we asked tubes yeah, from Soccer AM. But if you've ever had a ball at feet, which we know you have, who were the two most impressive players that you trained alongside in your career? Well, I suppose international duty, it would have been Roy. Why? Uh, do you know what? It, w- it wasn't because of anything he, he did with the ball at his feet. It was when he... It, it was the week I was there in the squad for the first time he delayed his arrival because I think Man United were playing Charlton at four o'clock on the Sunday. So he arrived Sunday night. So we had a training session Sunday morning, which was great crack. And then we had a training session Monday morning. Roy had arrived overnight. Mood completely changed. Solely because of Roy's presence. How, how Changed from what to what? From it was all very jovial. <laughs> everyone's loving it. Like when a teacher comes into the room yeah. most at school. Yeah. So I remember the, the, the impact of this fella. And, and physically he's quite small, which is, which is a surprise when you meet him. Because he's such a ferocious monster on the pitch when he's when he's in full flow, but um, that would have been him, I suppose. Duff maybe as well. Duffers. I mean, I'd be struggling to think at club level who would have been given the club that I play for who would have been better than any of those two. Yeah. Um. Yeah, that's my answer. Decent. decent I like that. First, I think you might be the first person to not name Robbie Keane as. Yeah, we've also got every single Irish we've international we've so far. A lot of Aidan McGeady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, because, like, purely for the fact that it's training ground. And Darren O'Dea last week is his best mate as well. Yeah, so that was a, there was a little almost. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Richie, thanks very much for uh, for taking the time out to join us. We yeah, wish you the great. best of luck with everything. New podcast details to come on second captains on Monday. Monday, yeah. I even feel yeah. I'm cheating on them by being here. <laughs> oh, wow. Being well, disloyal to that we're podcast. All, we're all friends. You're in that. Well, it hasn't started yet. The details haven't arrived. Yeah, so we'll never, you'll never be back. Ross like, this is your last, it, this is, is your last opportunity now because you're going to be, you're going to have your own one. You I'm blacklisted so now. <laughs> <laughs> Not by us. <laughs> well, you'll be, we'll the the shackles will be on over there. Uh, thanks a million, Richie. Cheers, lads. Get double the odds on first goal scorer with Ladbrokes. That's right, if you're winning first goal scorer scores in the opening 20 minutes of selected live matches, then Ladbrokes will double the odds. Available in Ladbrokes shops nationwide. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Dunleary.net. 
once again, just a huge thank you to Richie Sadio for coming in. That was a very pleasurable experience to have him in. Um, Keyword there. Yeah. Well, mm. uh, look, I wasn't even, <laughs> wasn't even trying. Accidental. Uh. And you may have heard the sound of Diego Maradona or Diego Maradona tambourine of destiny crashing down. Yeah. <laughs> I gave him a bit of a fry halfway through. The studio was falling apart. Did, it that. was a bit yeah. of a crisis. Um, but we came through it. Crisis come through it. Arsenal, football, modern football. There's a game this weekend. Um, and Ladbrokes. There's a, a really good enhanced uh, offer here. Let me uh, let me get it out for you. Yeah, you've um, been given the uh, the juvie. So Wednesday, which is today, is when we're filming the podcast. So if you're listening to this after, you'll know whether this enhanced special you know came good. But uh, this is our charity bet. This is our charity bet. Well, no, we're doing charity bet for the weekend. But for Leicester Derby tonight, if you oh. heard in time, Leicester to win and both teams to score boosted price from eleven to four to four to one. What? So Leicester to win, both teams to score. If Leicester win, both teams are going to score. Yeah. Because Leicester can't defend. We learned this uh, at the weekend when Manchester United started off in a disgraceful 4-4-2 and then switched to a normal formation and then easily beat Leicester City. Yeah, they are going to um, concede goals for sure. It was a weird game. So yeah, uh, Leicester to win and both teams to score has been boosted from 11-4 to four to 4-1. to one. If you are listening to this early enough, you deserve to get on that. If not, um, well, you'll know whether it happened or not. However, there's another one. Saturday, Arsenal versus Hull. And Liverpool versus Spurs. Both matches have double odds, have had boosted odds on them. So we've picked our charity bet for Arsenal versus Hull on the Saturday. We have gone with the match to be a draw. Oh. Arsenal versus Hull to be a draw at the Emirates. Was 9-2, to two, now 9-1. to one. Good Lord. So we are 9-2. I remember we were discussing this yeah, yesterday we, and we were like, 9-2? Unbelievable. Yeah, because nine like, to one. yes, you've got to expect... Some form, some form of response from Arsenal, and there, there's a high possibility they could go out and win three 0 and be like, "Look, calm yourself, Arsenal yeah. fan TV. We still do have Alexis Sanchez and um, and other players that are going to put in the ball in the goal." Uh, also, however, we really like what we've seen with Hull. You would have just heard uh, Richie Sadler saying that he wants um, the new manager Marco Silva. Silva to do well. That I literally can't remember that man. I can even remember the Silva. I'm a the Marco, huge fan. I'm on the Silva yeah. bandwagon. Well, hey, Richie on, is too. On Marco Silva, I want you to picture Billy Riggins from Friday Night Lights. Pictured. Yeah. That's Marco Silva. Yeah, like oh, trimmed yeah. down, there he is. like yeah. if he got yeah. off the drink. Actually, um, when he asked us to do that, I just pictured Marco Silva. Funnily <laughs> enough, <laughs> yeah. I, I, not that I wanted to toot my own horn or anything to follow on from the Sadler story, but. I Paul Merson's <laughs> took me a while. <laughs> Paul Merson's takedown of Marco Silva looks pretty stupid now. Yeah, it looked now stupid Merce. at the time, Gav. It looked, looked extremely stupid at the time. Stupid at the time. A lot of um, people said it at the time. I think, in fairness, I, actually, funnily enough, it was on second captains. They discussed it a little bit, and yeah. they actually spoke a good bit of sense about it. And like, I think it was Ken Early sort of broke it down and said, "This is." sort of just Merson coming to terms with the fact that football is a little bit different to when he played it, yeah. which is kind of a common theme in general life. I, I don't necessarily think there was malice in what Merson said. Like, it wasn't like uh, Union Jack thumping fucking yeah. immigrants Get him out, out type, one him out. You know, it was just that, you know. But it was that. I don't it, think it, it, it was. That. Of course it was. They asked, why is it always got to be a foreign manager? Why is it always got to be a foreign manager? Uh, but I think that was him, his way of saying... You know, why isn't there trust put in English managers? Like, why aren't we cultivating our own talent? Now, that is a little bit of a microcosm as to the whole Brexit thing. But yeah. but I don't... I think it was him reflecting on a simpler time in his life. Uh, I don't think you can expect a man of Paul Merson's intellect, with the greatest respect to him, to adapt to, to, to <laughs> modern culture at all. I think like, It's like that time with the... 
was it the LA Clippers or the some LA basketball team their, oh, their owner, owner their 80 year old owner was tweeting about oh, like Sterling was that yeah, was Ronald Sterling. yeah about like oh, black players on Instagram and all this sh- it's Bill Burr said of him like what did you think he thought like why 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 be outraged when people who who you expect to think this way say those things and that's what I thought of Merson all along and I knew that was his attitude towards the whole thing but like let's just Move on, like yeah. yeah, and let's move on. There's no better time to do it. We're going to pundit Wouch. At Ladbrokes, if one team lets you down on your ACA of five teams or more, you'll get your money back as a free bet up to twenty five euro. Ladbrokes online, mobile, and in shop. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. Dunlewy.net. Pundit Watch. Hello, welcome to Flex and Sav, the best bits. <laughs> Now, while we usually like to take down some absolute bullshit that uh, a pundit has said in this um, in this segment, or indeed praise them for something they've done correctly, Gavin Cooney, you took issue with the neglect of discussion that was... followed. The, the, the one of the main talking points from the weekend was Hector Bellerin, um, and it just you know his toe he just rolled over and had his belly tickled by Marcus Alonso. He also nearly got his skull caved in. Yeah, I mean, there's so much time in football punditry, especially a match of the day, like just boring conversations about was it a penalty, was it a foul, and things that were quite like handballs. I mean, I'm sick of watching watching match of the day debate for five minutes about a handball. It was clearly a handball, and then they put up the rule to justify it being a handball having had someone on to argue why it wasn't a handball just to fill time and bring us all closer to the precipice of the end. But it's so strange that Hector Bellerin had his face smashed by Marcus Alonso's elbow and it wasn't talked about being a foul at all. No, There was no debate. I mean, Gary Neville uh, said that he said he had a bit of sympathy but that Alonso did the right thing because the ball was there so absolutely give this man a potential brain injury if the ball is there to allow us to win the game. Okay, in the heat of the moment, you might say stupid things. At halftime and, and Sky, Graeme Sinest, not ever a foul. He's his eyes on the ball. Who cares if he's his eyes on the ball? Graeme Sinest would have rather if the ball wasn't there at all. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I get the feeling. But like, who cares? There's nothing about intent. And yeah. like pundits have some, have, after years of not getting it, have finally come around to the idea that if you jump off the ground and lunge in with two feet and potentially break someone's ankles, you don't have to do it on purpose for it to be a red card and for mm-hmm. it to be a foul. Mm. They, don't, they haven't got that. With the, the head, neither with the is, neither, to the head. Neither is football, though, Gav, generally. Like, the sport itself hasn't got that. In what way? In that, like, pundits, whatever you say about pundits, like, get understanding now the, the two-footed tackle thing. But that is punished with a red card now. Whereas Alonso's challenge on Bellerin, generally, if it's sort of a meaty aerial challenge and it's not a clear elbow to the head with, in, with intent, it's mm. not going to be a red card. Mm. So I think, like, pundits will only get it when, it's, when the rule is implemented that this is dangerous play, you might cave a man's skull in, you're, you're walking. Yeah. Uh, Danny Mills, by the way, as bad as people were in the sky, Danny Mills, like, good grief. Like, Danny Mills was out and doing commentary for Five Live. Now, Danny Mills is a man, he's no stranger to overreactions. I don't know if you remember, after Luis Suarez bet, bit Chiellini, uh, sorry, it's such an absurd concept, I can't get the word out, <laughs> uh, bit Chiellini on the shoulder at the World Cup, uh, Danny Mills said that Luis Suarez should be thrown in jail and locked up forever. Could you I imagine mean, that? Like, I just love the idea of Luis Suarez he's sitting there and the first guy comes up to him and he just goes, you're Luis Suarez uh, of Liverpool and he just signed for Barcelona at the time. Yeah. So uh, Barcelona and I just signed you in the World Cup. What are you in for? And he goes, I was playing a match and um, we weren't winning. 
lost the cool a bit, ended up, you know, biting, got biting a shoulder. shoulder. What yeah. about you? He's like, oh, I murdered a family <laughs> yeah. of four. Double homicide. <laughs> I'll be yeah. out before you. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what a ridiculous thing to say. However, uh, yeah. Yeah, Mill said that uh, Bellerin has to be stronger there. As he's looking at the ball and get his, gets his face smashed in yeah. by a man's elbow, travelling at speed, like for God's sake. And the most annoying thing about this is that the entire football was really quick to wring their hands about Ryan Mason and yeah, worry about Ryan Mason's it. skull injury. And, oh, it's such a hideous injury and God, I hope he's okay. And it just puts everything into perspective and then have a go with the certain branch of the media who went too soon with the story and it was erroneous and be, have a bit of class and look after the guy. And while that, that's all well and good, and absolutely, send your nice wishes to Ryan Mason. That's a nice thing to do. But it, it's just pointless and empty gestures and being seen to be critical, saying the right critical thing. Critical of Hector Bellerin. Yeah. When, you're, <laughs> when a man gets smashed in the face by an elbow and allow it to feed into this narrative of Arsenal are too soft. That's Need the more thing. aggression. It, it that's what Alan Shearer said on Match of the Day. There was, oh, it's just aggressive. And then they went a whole thing about how Arsenal just not pressing. Why aren't they pressed? Why aren't they being aggressive? And fair enough if Arsenal aren't aggressive. That's probably, that's a fair complaint. Yeah, they, and, and they, but don't and, yeah. accuse a man getting like... <laughs> Of in literally knocked out cold situation like knocked it, out cold like we've seen that in you, you'll see it in in boxing and UFC and combat sports where someone gets that one clean shot and their whole body goes stiff Limp. and they fall like a, yeah. like a piece of timber well, like that's, that's what happened that, to Hector Bellerin that, the point about Arsenal and, and their perceived softness that dictated this whole discussion didn't yeah. it not this one here yeah. but the general discussion about this in- incident it's the the physical, like, I mean, Chelsea have developed this sort of an aura about them that they are a big, strong team. And, and they've always been aggressive. Even before Abramovich, they were an aggressive, dirty team, if mm. you like. So it was the, the big, bad Chelsea player being too strong for the feeble, mentally weak Arsenal. You know, Arsenal, yeah. spineless Arsenal. They lose 3-1 their seasons over again. And it just, that fed into this idea that, what you're saying, that Bellerin, like, you know, was too weak in the air, uh, just got blown out of it. And it's not a foul to in these people's minds because Bellerin is almost inferior in some way to Alonso yeah. because he's not, you know, because he gets blown out of it in the air, essentially. Um, the one thing I'd say about all of this is it's firstly worth reading Gav's piece. Oh, yeah. Like Mikey and I, yeah. as in it's rare we'd actually be sincere towards each other. In fact, this, <laughs> might, be, this might be the first time ever. But if you haven't read it, I mean, there was a reason why it kind of received the acclaim it did. It's, it's fantastic. And... It just makes a lot of sense. So many people agreed with it, which is so rare for the internet. Like it was <laughs> well, really I mean, weird. Arsenal fans agreed with it because I told them. What they I, a lot of pe- a lot of people who aren't Arsenal fans agreed with it as well. Yeah. Gav, you're doing yourself a disservice. The only people who disagreed with it were actually morons. <laughs> like, and I, I'll say that freely. Yeah. It, there was a comment on on Facebook. Oh God! Oh God! Oh God. I mean, good God Almighty! What was I don't it? know. I can't remember that guy's name. Like, but it was like, oh, yeah, maybe. Um, what was it? Maybe this yeah, writer, maybe. this writer is correct, and absolutely everybody else is wrong. Yeah, likely story or something. You know, you know, so, sort of. It seemed that he forgot that very often. People it's can one be person wrong. who's, you know, um, and, and pundits can be pundits, what, pundits can be wrong. I mean, you can go back to some really dark times in human history yeah. where one or two people were were actually correct. Another over, comment uh, I read about it, like this wasn't on any of our pages. I remember there was the incident itself, the actual goal, and the discussion should it have been allowed was was posted somewhere, and I accidentally caught the Twitter replies, which is some can be oh, very ter- dangerous. can be a terrible yeah. thing to do. Someone said that uh, Hector Bellerin was just a typical Spaniard being too soft <laughs> not realising that Marcus Alonso who made the challenge <laughs> was from Spain uh, to, be, to be fair I think Marcus Alonso was Basque so I made that up oh. made that up on Ijabi's the cousin oh, yeah I believe it he did oh, yeah, for Saucy Dad as well there, oh, you, go. there, there you, you go. go great knowledge they are tough uh, 
Spain. <laughs> That's all we've got time region. for this week on the Vols Today Football Show in association with Ladbrokes. A reminder that you can get enhanced double odds on both Leicester versus Derby if you are very quick tonight, or if not, both Arsenal versus Hull and Liverpool versus Spurs matches on the weekend. A reminder that if you want to subscribe to this channel, do so via the football channel mm-hmm. in Balls Today Podcast. That's the best way to do it to get straight into your ears every week. Um, a big thank you to Richie Sadier for coming in. A big thank you to Labrix for sponsoring the podcast. From Mikey, myself, and the two Gavins here. Um, we will catch you for the next one. Thanks very much for listening. The amount of money I'm going to be making would hurt your parents' feelings. You remember the class where I taught you all how to make it rain? That's what I'm going to be doing every single night. Winger in, winger out. 12 years is a trophy drought. No goal can hurt me, yeah that's right Cause Arsenal pay me day and night Wenger in, Wenger out 12 years is a trophy drought No goal can hurt me, yeah that's right Cause Arsenal pay me day and night I've seen players come and go But when Van Persie left my heart just froze I was angry at myself like I was to blame Then you went man you won a title I swear it was pain Every day we get top four Or buying a Barca in a Champions League draw Watch my team play poor I go on tour They just give us corn Go home I can't even watch that porn My mind just thinking We ain't signed a striker all season Hey, hey, hey Wenger How you gonna do man dirty The Ozil, the Sanchez But it ain't working Skangs on skangs, we're the gunners, but we're not lurking. The stress in my heart got my hairline receding, I'm still hurting. In Arsenal we trust, but we lost on the first day, I swear it was tough. Love Arsenal to the death of me, but sometimes you match strategy. Ramsey right mid, that don't work. But Wenger still tries, that's what hurts. You know what hurts me, we're still replaced by Van Persie. Wenger spending money is a no-go, we got strikers, so no-go. Could have had the best striker in the land But Wenger paid one pound For Suarez, Wenger paid one pound One pound I turn off to Wenger in, Wenger out 12 years is a trophy drought No goal can hurt me, yeah that's right Cause Arsenal pay me day and night Wenger in, Wenger out. 12 years is a trophy drought. No girl can hurt me, yeah that's right. Cause Arsenal pay me day and night.